0: Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In 1980, Ola uh, Svensson published a landmark paper which confirmed something that had long been asserted by others. 88% of U.S. college students in the study thought they were safer and 93% more skillful drivers than the median driver in the study with them. Of course, only half of the folks could actually be better than the median, and yet nearly every one of them thought they were in the upper half. I think you might want to watch out for the 10% who didn't think so next time you're on the highway. This bias has often been called the Lake Wobegon effect, after the radio variety show A Prairie Home Companion set in the fictional fictional town of Lake Wobegon, Minnesota, where all the women are strong, all the men are good-looking, and all the children are above average. This effect is likely related to the bias that psychologists call the self-serving bias. It's a bias that distorts our perception or thinking about reality. We have a reason for it. It helps us maintain and enhance our self-esteem. It helps us get out of bed in the morning. It manifests itself when we ascribe success to our own abilities and efforts, but ascribe our failures to external factors. So for a moment, I want you to think about what you would say if I asked you how your favorite team fared in their game yesterday. Now what would you say if they lost? My guess is that most of you said we won and they lost. Hear the self-serving bias at work? You didn't include yourself when your team lost, you said they lost. But when they won, you're not even on the team and you said we won. It's quite rare for someone to say in this circumstance they won or we lost. The self-serving bias plays, this self-serving bias plays a huge role in forgiveness, as we're going to see. When someone wrongs us, we're usually quick to feel wounded, usually far more seriously than the offense actually warrants. And this is because a form of the self-serving bias kicks in. We're quick to give ourselves a pass for our bad behavior because we explain it away. After all, there were difficult circumstances we found ourselves in. But when someone else does exactly the same thing to us, well, not because of their circumstances, but it must be because of their personality flaws. And therefore, they better apologize to us and quick. There's no way that we could possibly be the ones at fault. Some like to say this is just human nature. And I might be willing to say it's a human tendency or a distorted nature, but it isn't really our human nature. Why? Because we as Orthodox Christians think of our human nature as found in Jesus Christ our Lord. We can always look in the mirror and ask, is what we see reflective of Jesus Christ? And if it is, then are we acting according to our true nature found in Christ? The problem, as we know, is that our nature was hidden, clouded, distorted by the fall, but our true nature is still there. But the mirror we use is dirty, and so it projects a less than ideal view to those around us. And this affects us, our relationship with our neighbor, and everyone's relationship with God. So let's first take up ourselves. We like to think of ourselves as magnanimous, that is of great mind and heart, overlooking insults and not seeking revenge when we forgive others. And indeed, that's exactly what Peter was thinking when he asked Jesus this question. You may not realize this, but Peter was trying to show off in front of Jesus. The Mishnah which, is a, which are a written collection of the oral traditions from rabbis, tells us what the Jewish people thought on this issue. For example, it was taught that the repetition of the same sin may be forgiven once, twice, or even three times, but not a fourth time, based on a series of statements in Amos chapter 2. For the transgressions of Moab, for the transgressions of Judah, for the transgressions of Israel, I, God, will forgive and for four i will not turn away the punishment thereof and in job chapter 33 behold all these things god does to a man two or three or even three times to bring back his soul from the pit that he may be enlightened with the light of life so peter thought he was going way above and beyond when he asked if someone could should forgive seven times to jesus and if jesus had simply said yes That alone would have shocked his disciples. But no one expected what he said next. No one expected the radical forgiveness that God expected of us. Not seven times, but 70 times seven times. I hope you can imagine the stunned looks on the apostles' faces. They would have understood that Jesus wasn't saying some literal number. They didn't need to do math in their head although that literal number, if you lived to be 80 years, would still amount to forgiving someone for the same thing every two months of your entire life. But really, what they understood Jesus to be saying was like a gazillion number of times. Jesus was saying that the Jews had taken too literally the judgments recorded in the prophet Amos and in other places. In fact, Amos' prophecies were uh, fulfilled. Israel did get the consequences coming to it for its transgressions, but the fact remained that God would forgive them again and again and again and again and again. And that God was doing that was standing right in front of them. Jesus' condescension to become one of us, a human being to save us, to become a sacrifice for us, shows God's radical forgiveness towards us is truly bottomless. And this is incredibly good news. But there's a problem. Our distorted, fallen nature isn't very good at forgiveness. Peter, as usual, had put his foot in his mouth trying to impress Jesus, and Peter would do it again and again and again, most importantly, when he would deny Christ three times. Peter himself would commit the same sin against our Lord three times. And we all know that Peter was moping around after the resurrection fishing with his fellow disciples because of that denial. And I have little doubt that Peter was still stuck in his old thinking about how bad he'd really messed up. How it was a big deal to forgive someone three times under the law for the same sin. But Peter had a hope that indeed there was at least forgiveness for all three of those denials as he reflected back on the day he tried to show off to Jesus by saying seven times. And Jesus told him it was so much more. Yet even knowing that, we see Peter was still having trouble forgiving himself. It wasn't until Jesus came to him and provided that threefold restoration that Peter was finally able to forgive himself and become the great shepherd and apostle of the early church that God had intended him to be. So the first lesson to us today is that God forgives you. So that means you have to forgive yourself so that you can be all that God intends you to be to the world around you. So start with yourself, but then of course that leads to the responsibility to our neighbor, to being all we can be so that we can help our neighbor, which is the second relationship affected by whether we are truly willing to embrace forgiveness. Yes, forgiving our neighbor also has benefits for us, and there's several common maxims that float around on the internet about forgiveness. I'm sure they're made into refrigerator magnets and inspirational posters and the like, here's one. Holding a grudge doesn't make you strong, it makes you bitter. Forgiving doesn't make you weak, it sets you free. And another, forgive people in your life, even those who are not sorry for their actions. Holding on to anger only hurts you and not them. And the last for today, forgiveness is like unlocking the door to set someone free and realizing you were the prisoner. Certainly, there is considerable truth in these phrases. But there's also this big piece left unsaid that's behind each one. Forgiveness is hard. If we have so much trouble forgiving ourselves, like Peter, then it must be really hard to forgive others. After all, if it were easy, I don't think we'd have to come up with ways to convince ourselves to forgive other people. So again, I want to bring us back to the fact that we are created in the image and likeness of God and Jesus Christ, in his exhortation to us today to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive, and in his actions, show us that God is forgiving. When we forgive, we're living up to the true likeness of God, but we are fallen, so it's hard. So what can we do to make it easier? Well, this is where I return to that self-serving bias. We need to stop and remind ourselves that this is our natural tendency. This is our bias. We have to remember that the good we did wasn't really all that awesome. And the bad someone else did is probably what we would have done in the same circumstances had we found ourselves in them. We also need to take an honest accounting of the bad we've done and not blame someone or something else for it. We need to change from we won and they lost to we lost so they can win. This is one of the reasons that confession and the sacrament of reconciliation are one of the key sacraments of the church. They help us make that turn. They keep us honest with ourselves. We need to accept that we have this bias that makes it hard for us to see who we really are, and put ourselves into a trusting relationship with a spiritual advisor who can help us take a more objective look and help us gain some insight into where we're misperceiving ourselves due to our broken sense of the world and start to see ourselves for who we really are. And then, and then what? Almighty God, have mercy upon you, forgive you your sins, and bring me to everlasting life. Amen. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant thee pardon, absolution, and remission of all thy sins. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath left power to his church to absolve all sinners who truly repent and believe in him of his great mercy, forgive thee thine offenses. And by this authority committed to me, absolve thee of all thy sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And finally, the most important words I feel like at the very end, Go in peace, the Lord hath put away all thy sins. It's this provides us, this sacrament provides us the foundation for us to forgive others. When we recognize that we need forgiveness and that God's going to provide it, putting away all of our sins, then it's easier to forgive others. In fact, our Lord tells us that's a precondition of us being forgiven. And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debts. So also, my holy heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. God forgives us to the extent that we forgive others. And the best path, I believe, to making it easier to forgive is to understand you need forgiveness. Once you realize that, You know you have to forgive your fellow person, no matter how hard it is, no matter what they did to you, no matter how many times they did it, no matter how many times they've hurt you, because that's what God does. And if we're in his image and likeness, that's what we'll do. God forgives us all, no matter how angry and frustrated he is with us, no matter what we've done to him, no matter how many times you've done it to him, if we do the same to those around us. And that leads us to the last relationship that can be harmed if we ourselves fail to forgive. Everyone's relationship with God. That's a big responsibility. But it arises from the same fact that we've been talking about. That we are icons of Jesus Christ to the world around us. That we are God's representatives in this world. So when we fail to be reflective of God's radical forgiveness and love for each of us, we show the rest of the world that God's an angry, vengeful, fire and brimstone, unforgiving God that everyone fears and ought to fear, that no one wants to love, that no one wants any part of. When we fail to forgive, we're not only projecting a distorted view of ourselves to others, We're projecting a terribly negative perspective on who God is to those around us. So instead of being bearers of the good news, we become the bad news. So we have to project our belief that God is so loving and so forgiving that he has given everything to forgive our sins and restore us to our original nature, to be what we were created to be, to be like him, to be as radically loving and forgiving as he himself is. Christianity isn't about, or let's say, isn't just about going to heaven when you die. It's also about being what you were created to be in the here and now. It's about living life to the fullest in the age to come and while you're still here on earth. And today's message is central to living that life and embracing thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. After all, the Lord's Prayer continues, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I pray that as we say those words in just a few moments in the Lord's Prayer, as we do, I hope, each and every day, and especially over the next week, we don't rush when we say those words too much. We take a moment. We let them sink in. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I pray that you will see in those who trespass against us all, not only your neighbor, your co-workers, your friends, your family, but yourself. We do plenty to trespass against ourselves, and I pray God gives you insight to see it and then put it behind you. God forgives it all, so we also have to forgive it all, for ourselves and for our neighbor. We must follow Christ and his self-sacrifice, which includes the hard sacrifice of forgiveness. The sacrifice that puts away all our sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent: homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.